If you need a new roof or a repair, Easton Roofing will take care of you. Estimates are always free and suggestions are built on integrity. Visit EastonRoofing.com for more information. Get back to business faster with Easton Roofing. Easton Roofing. Integrity matters. Garrettson and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City. 1510 AM and 94.5 FM. Another day, another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. Shout out to our presenting sponsors, starting with Gerritsen and Toth. They handle the most complex felony, federal, or state criminal defense cases. You'll find them in doing that successfully, helping criminal defendants all over the Kansas City area and Northeast Kansas for years. Also be sure to visit Kim Hauer and Associates Agency at 105th and Metcalf in Overland Park. Or give Kim and her team a call at 913-649-2002. That's 913-649-2002 for a quote on your home and auto insurance today. Though the Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions of the NFL world, it's now time to start talking about off-season stuff, draft stuff, coaching openings, and I think that's where we'll start today. Because... Lately in the news, in the aftermath of the Super Bowl championship for the Kansas City Chiefs, it has been out there that Eric Bieniemy will not get another head coaching job in the NFL. Or not another, his first head coaching job. But what he is in the running for is the offensive coordinator opening with the Washington Commanders, whom he interviewed with this morning. Now, Ian Rappaport reported yesterday that Biennemi is one of the top finalists. He and Greg Roman, uh, OC of the Baltimore Ravens, are the two main frontrunners in the running to land that OC job in Washington. And I think that does beg the question now in regards to the future of Eric Biennemi. I think if you're Kansas City, you're in a good spot either way. Because last year, Mike Kafka was your quarterback's coach. And Mike Kafka was supposed to be the replacement for Eric Bieniemy, and maybe even one day the replacement to Andy Reid. But when Kafka took the job with the Giants to become Brian Dayball's OC, they then replaced Kafka with Matt Nagy. So the replacement for Bieniemy, if he does decide to take an offer from Washington, not knowing if the offer's already there right now, but if Bieniemy takes that offer, then Matt Nagy will be the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs next year, unless they decided to go with an outside hire, which I have my skepticism about because Matt Nagy has such a great relationship with Patrick Mahomes. But this really comes down to what Eric Biennemi wants. I think it's very telling that Andy Reid is one of the main vocal guys out there saying that, you know, he belongs in the NFL. He belongs to have a head coaching job. He deserves to have a head coaching job, but there's no more head coaching jobs available. So now it comes down to an offensive coordinator role. Taking the Washington offensive coordinator role would be a downgrade. And we've discussed this with Eric Bieniemy before and how he can get a head coaching job. He's not going to get a head coaching job staying in Kansas City as the offensive coordinator. That's just not going to happen. At least from what we've seen the last couple of years, he's had multiple chances to be offered a head coaching job. He's had double-digit interviews, He's just never gotten that true offer that would lead him away from being the OC of the Kansas City Chiefs. 
So what he has to do to get a head coaching job is get out from under the shadow of Andy Reid, out of the shadow of Patrick Mahomes, and maybe prove that he can revolutionize an offense that doesn't have a Hall of Fame head coach and a Hall of Fame quarterback and a Hall of Fame tight end. It's unfair. It's unfair to Eric Bieniemy because there's been defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators that have loaded teams, and they still get head coaching jobs elsewhere. Like, I look at the Houston Texans right now hiring D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans had an incredibly talented and loaded defensive unit, but he got the job. With Eric Bieniemy. you know, I'm sure that the conversation we brought in the play of race, is he not being hired because of his skin color? And I think that, you know, we'll never know what happened behind the scenes if front offices were just interviewing Eric Bieniemy because of the Rooney rule, right? And now if you decide to hire a person of color, that team that once employed him will get draft picks. So there is a benefit to hiring Eric Bieniemy. There's a benefit for the Chiefs hiring Eric Bieniemy, And from what he's shown as an offensive coordinator, there should be a benefit for a team out there. But I think you could also take the other side and go, you know, there's no penalty now in hiring Eric Bieniemy. There, it would not be considered a bad hire on the surface based off the numbers. If one of the teams, if it was Arizona, if it was Indianapolis, if it was Washington, and they decided to hire Eric Bieniemy as a head coach, and this is going back a couple of months, I don't think anybody would have taken it as that's a reach of a hire. That's not a very good hire because the numbers would be backed up. The Chiefs had the number one scoring offense in numerous years, and he does have the title of, of offensive coordinator. What we will never know is what was said behind the scenes, what those interviews looked like. Is Bienemy a good interviewer? Is he not? Is he abrasive? We just won't know. That's not going to become public knowledge. Do we know if the front office took him seriously? We won't know. But I think now what we can fully understand is that Eric Bieniemy kind of has the future in his hands, not somebody else's. He could stay in Kansas City for as long as he wants to. I'm sure Andy Reid has given him that power, saying if you don't get a head coaching job and you don't want another OC job, we're not going to boot you out of here. We're not going to replace you with Matt Nagy unless you go. But Eric Bieniemy has the decision. He's got the fate of his future in his hands. He could say, well, I do want a head coaching job at some point. And the only way I get one is putting my career on the line and going to a team like Washington where they have Sam Howell as their quarterback and a limited amount of weapons. I mean, Terry McLaurin really feels like the only big name he would be throwing to or Sam Howell would be throwing to. But if Eric Bieniemy turns Washington into a top 12 offense, he now becomes a more intriguing candidate on the head coaching carousel. We've seen this now the last couple of years. The Chiefs offense has been just as good as it was in 2019 to today. They put up a lot of points. They break a lot of records. And Eric Bieniemy has been the OC in those spots. But if the front offices of other franchises out there believed it was all him, he would have had a head coaching job. And I think that a lot of general managers, a lot of owners look to Andy Reid, who is considered to be the best play caller of all time. And they're just a little bit skeptical going, there's no way that Andy Reid is not having say or not calling a handful of the plays for Patrick Mahomes. 
I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I believe on Travis Kelsey's and Jason Kelsey's New Heights podcast, Travis Kelsey kind of leaked that Andy Reid's the one that calls the plays. Maybe it's just big-time plays. Maybe it's 50% of the plays. Maybe it's 60, 70. Again, we won't know because Andy Reid also takes the podium a lot and says Eric Bieniemy's the one calling the plays. Now, maybe that's him trying to get or leverage Eric Bieniemy a job, but maybe general managers are seeing through that. Because I go back to it now and look at guys like Lovey Smith, a person of color who got a job over Eric Bieniemy. And Lovey Smith had been out of the game, out of the NFL, for quite some time. He was over at Illinois. He was at Division I college football before the Houston Texans decided to give him a job. He lasted one year. So Bieniemy has the numbers. He's got the accolades to be a head coach in the NFL. But I think we are completely aware of the fact now he's not getting a head coaching job as long as he's in Kansas City. Because when you are under the shadow of Andy Reid, general managers are are skeptical of that. They are not trustworthy that you would be the one calling all the plays. And maybe there's even general managers out there that that think, well, he's got Patrick Mahomes. Well, he's got Travis Kelsey. Well, he's got Juju Smith-Schuster. He's got a great offensive line. They've got Isaiah Pacheco now. They've got MVS. They've got Kadarius Toney. He won't be able to call or do the same things when he's with Washington and Sam Howe. It's a limited offense. And front offices take their OC and DC hirings very seriously. You could also argue the point of Jonathan Gannon, who just got a head coaching job with the Arizona Cardinals, the defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. That was a loaded Eagles defense, and they got shredded by the Chiefs' offense. So why would you hire the defensive coordinator who just got worked over by the Chiefs' offensive coordinator and Andy Reid? Sometimes teams just zero in on their guy. But I'm sure we'll know today or tomorrow if Eric Bieniemy is moving on or not. If they decide to hire Greg Roman over Eric Bieniemy, my guess is Eric Bieniemy is coming back. And Eric Bieniemy then may look at that and go, all right, I can't even get the offer for the Washington Commanders to be the OC. My career in the NFL will likely just be an offensive coordinator, and that's fine to be it in Kansas City because guess what? You're going to get a lot of Super Bowl rings. You're going to break a lot of records, and you will have the title of offensive coordinator. You'll be able to work with Hall of Fame players. It all really comes down to what Eric Bieniemy wants. Maybe down the road he does get that offer. Maybe he doesn't have to wait three, four, five more years or an eternity to get a head coaching job because he's already done that. But I think today and tomorrow will tell a lot. Because if Washington gives him that offer, and maybe he turns it down, I think we now know what Bieniemy wants for his future in the NFL. He knows that he's not going to get a head coaching job, so why move laterally in the NFL, get the same job for a worse team? He could stay there, make as much money as he wants, and work with Hall of Fame players and a Hall of Fame coach. It's still a fine job in the NFL. Not many guys get that opportunity. But I'm sure every single coach in the NFL, every coordinator, every quarterback's coach, every running back's coach, every offensive analyst, defensive analyst, scout, They want to reach the pinnacle of coaching in football, and that would be a head coach in the NFL. And whoever takes over for Andy Reid is going to have a mountain to climb. And who knows if that's Eric Biemi. That may be the most telling thing. You know, maybe Clark Hunt, Brett Veach, they come to Eric Biemi and say, 
hey, we want to keep you around here because when Andy Reid retires, which could be within five years, we want you to be the next guy. I have my doubts, and that because Eric Bieniemy is no spring chicken. And if the Chiefs weren't hiring him, he sure as hell ain't getting a job anywhere else. But I think the Chiefs will likely lean on Patrick Mahomes as who he wants to have as his next head coach. And I think from the relationship he has with Matt Nagy, if it came down to Nagy and Eric Bieniemy, my gut would tell me he would lean towards Matt Nagy to be the next head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. That's neither here nor there, though. That's down the road. Andy Reid is still here and has given us no signs that he's going to retire. But the good thing if you're the Chiefs is you're in a good spot. If Eric Bieniemy decides to take the job today, being one of the finalists, if the Washington Commanders offer him that job and he takes it, the Chiefs are not in a bad spot. And that's not to knock Eric Bieniemy. The system is just set up for offensive coordinators to succeed in Kansas City. When you're working with Andy Reid and Hall of Fame players, you kind of can just have a placeholder. I'm not saying it's a puppet, right? The OC is just this pawn to have the title of OC, and it's Andy Reid behind the scenes doing everything. But when Matt Nagy, I don't want to say when, if Matt Nagy takes over for Eric Bieniemy, assuming he takes the Washington Commander's job, we're not going to see an offense go from number one to number 10. Matt Nagy was in every offensive meeting. That offensive unit is not going to change much. The play calling is not going to change much. The talent's not going anywhere. So in Kansas City, it's a good spot. And at the same time, I think general managers and owners are smart in the NFL. Most of them, at least. Sometimes they're a disaster. But I think most are smart in kind of reading between the lines when it comes to OCs and DCs and the relationship with a head coach. Like right now in Kansas City, it's kind of gone from we can't afford to lose Eric Bieniemy to everybody sort of putting him out there, promoting Eric Bieniemy to be a head coach. Because I think a lot of people feel bad that he hasn't gotten that offer. He hasn't gotten that job to do in the NFL. He's been here forever. He's shown he's worth in the NFL. He's not getting that job. But maybe general managers and owners look at that and go, they're not really worried to lose him. They are actively promoting him. You know, Nick Sirianni wasn't out there with a billboard promoting Jonathan Gannon to get a head coaching job. You know, he wanted to keep all of his coordinators there. He knew how important they were, but it kind of feels like in Kansas City, there's another guy to replace him. Last year, they felt like there was another guy to replace Eric Bieniemy and Mike Kafka, and it stung to lose Mike Kafka. Eric Bieniemy is a great offensive coordinator. I think what we just will never figure out is what those interviews sound like, what is talked about in those interviews. Is Eric Bieniemy a great interviewer, a great candidate, and nobody takes him seriously? Does race get involved? Or is it just simple that he's a bad interviewer and they don't trust him that he calls plays over Andy Reid? Or he benefits from a really good system? We just won't know those things until he is hired elsewhere. Then we'll be able to dig up more information as to why it took so long for him to get that spot. But at least today we know this is probably the closest chance he's had to getting another job outside of Kansas City. And unfortunately for him, it is a downgrade a little bit. It is him moving laterally and a little bit of a decline if he were to take the Washington Commander's offensive coordinator opening. But it also, I think, gets him one step closer to being a head coach. The unfortunate reality for Eric Bieniemy is he's not 35 or 40. He's getting up there in age. 
Now, who's to say if he spends two years in Washington, it's a really good offense, but even then, organizations that have openings with a head coaching role, they look at him and go, well, he's not going to be coaching for five or six years. You can't give him that long-term deal. And we still don't know what he's like as a head coach. It's such a tricky and sticky situation for Eric Bieniemy in trying to get this head coaching role. But I do believe if he moves out from under the shadow of Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Brett Veach, all this talent, he will move actually closer. By moving laterally, he's moving closer to a head coaching job. But he does put his career on the line because he's going to be working with far less talent. And we really will know at that point just how much of an offensive genius Eric Bieniemy is. Marco, before we head to break, I'm sure you spent a lot of time this morning talking about Eric Bieniemy yesterday with the opening, and now it really feels like this is the best chance he has to land another job outside of Kansas City. Uh, I'll ask you this one first. If he gets an offer, let's say he's already gotten the offer, do you see him taking the job in Washington with the idea of maybe down the road getting a head coaching job, or do you see him going, hell, why would I move to Washington with a worse team, an unknown talent at quarterback in Sam Howell, who's played in, what, two games in his NFL career? Would he take it more so as, I just need to be comfortable here. I can work with Hall of Fame players the rest of my career. I may never get a head coaching job, but I'll make money, I'll break a lot of records, and I'll be seen as one of the best offensive coordinators in football. Or does he put his career on the line, go to Washington, work with a lesser team, but also maybe better his chances of getting a head coaching role? So if he gets that offer, put the career on the line or stay comfortable? It's really about what he wants, and I think if he truly believe, if he really wants to be a head coach, then this may then I see him then I see him accepting it because I what what are we now through a handful of off seasons where he's going through the cycle of um, interviews trying to get out there and trying to get hired as a head coach, but hasn't um, then obviously what what you've been doing hasn't been working so you need to do something else. So if he really wants to be a head coach, then the Washington job makes sense uh, if he takes it because they are a team that's young defensively. Uh, We know about their defense from a couple of years ago. There's a lot of potential there with that. The offense is meh. I'm looking up right now how much draft picks they have going into this year's NFL draft because that matters when you hire a head coach is the layout layout for the next – not just one or two years, but the three, but the ones that come after that are very significant. And so it looks like they have three top 100 picks, four, uh, four top 125 picks. So there's there's something there in Washington. Um, he wouldn't be going in as a head coach, though. He'd be hired offense coordinator, which is an important detail. But sitting at the top of the head coach right now is Ron Rivera, a veteran, a veteran head coach who's been in Washington for um, more than two years now, who, who knows if Washington? If I'm if I'm uh, Ron Rivera, Eric Bieniemy comes on as an OC. It makes me a little worried because it's not. I don't. See, I I could see the potential where Washington is, where Washington could fill Eric Bieniemy as an interim head coach, where they say bye bye to Ron Rivera. And during during this upcoming during this next season, um, and putting Eric Bieniemy as the OC, so I could I, I that's something I could see happening. So yeah, if Eric Bieniemy wants to be a head coach, he gets offered this job. 
I see him taking it because you have a head coach above you that's been there for a while and hasn't really done much. Uh, he's he's gone he's gone above expectations, but Washington, if they think they can take it to the next level as a franchise, um, in a no, not a weak NFC East, excuse me, in, in a tough NFC East, then not only are you bringing in Eric. Bienemy and all the accolades that you could talk about. Two-time Super Bowl head coach has court has been an OC of a quarterback that's won two MVPs. But you're also bringing in that Andy Reid uh, prospect, someone who has that connection to or is a branch on such a strong, well-built uh, tree. So uh, you're hiring more than just uh, the. You're hi- that's what makes him such a hot prospect to me and why it's just a head scratcher why no one's hired him is that you're bringing in someone who's been in that Andy Reid locker room has been brought up by that Andy Reid um by that through that Andy Reid built organization it's it, it, it's a no-brainer that he should be hired if I was an organization I would hire him immediately there's sketch things that happens behind the scenes that we don't know about um and you mentioned that there that sooner or later that stuff's going to come out um, of what really is going, of what of the whys that everybody's wondering and speculating on, um, that's left to be speculated. So yeah, I, 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 I see him taking it because at this point it's just like, what else can you do to earn that role to get to where you want to be as a head coach? But then again, that's if, like you mentioned earlier, like you've been mentioning during your monologue, what does Eric Bieniemy want? Yeah, I think it really comes down to the future for Eric Bieniemy. Whether he believes he's ready to put his career on the line, if he kind of feels like, hey, I've done a lot in this game, even if I go to Washington, it doesn't work out, I feel satisfied that I had two Super Bowl rings. And maybe even down the road, somebody else gives me an opening. Somebody takes me in as an OC because of my success in Kansas City. But like you said, Marco, like I said, all all the interview stuff that's going to come out eventually down the road, what really happened, whether he is a terrible interviewer or he's a really good interviewer and the front offices didn't take him very seriously. That will all come out into the public down the road. Just right now, it's all speculation. And it's speculation as if Eric Bieniemy will Eric Bieniemy will take that offensive coordinator opening with the Washington Commanders. He was interviewing with them this morning. I believe it's down to him and Greg Roman, offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. So we will see if the Chiefs will be searching for a new OC here by this weekend. We'll take our first break of the show. When we come back, let's give you some thoughts and a recap of the parade from yesterday. What a turnout from Kansas City, but some of the best speeches. And Jalen Watson, I don't know if you saw this, Marco, just tweeted out a picture of him outside of an ambulance in a wheelchair from drinking too much. (laughs) I think he was hospitalized yesterday for drinking too much, but he was having some fun with it on his Twitter. So we'll get into everything about the parade next on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN, Kansas City. I urge everybody on Twitter right now to go to Jalen Watson's account and just see the picture that he posted. It's about 13 minutes ago. And if you don't know what his Twitter account is, at Jalen Watson 12, Jalen spelled J-A-Y-L-E-N. Well, he posted about 13 minutes ago a picture of him in a wheelchair being wheeled out by a paramedic 
Chiefs guy behind him, big Chiefs coat. Don't know if that's somebody with the hospital or somebody with the Chiefs organization. But he said, Chiefs kingdom, y'all are responsible for this. You got to fight for your right. It appears that Jalen Watson, rookie cornerback of the Kansas City Chiefs, had a little bit too much fun at the parade yesterday. And you know what? He's not the only one. I'm not going to fault Jalen Watson from drinking too much because when you're a Super Bowl champion, might as well go all out. Your favorite player to watch from the coverage yesterday. They did a really good job. They really did. I I mean, it's always fun to see Patrick Mahomes like that because he's so proper in every single interview. And, you know, it's fun to see all those guys then just be completely loose because some of them are 23, you know, our age, 24, 25. Some of them are 34, 35. Or dads like Matt Nagy. Yep. Dad's up there dancing. I mean, why not go absolutely crazy? I thought about this yesterday. I was with one of my buddies, and I said, could you imagine driving through the city, having millions of people? Probably, I think there was probably close to a million people there yesterday, so it felt like. KCUR uh, announced that there was well over a million yesterday. Well over a million people. They are lined up in the streets. They put you on buses, and people are just screaming for you, tossing you beers, wanting you to sign their baby's forehead footballs, jerseys. It was the Beatles on steroids. So why not go absolutely crazy? I'm thinking, if I was ever in that spot, I don't know how many Coors Lights I would have housed. Patrick Mahomes had... If you said an over-under for Patrick Mahomes on beers drank yesterday, I think before 1 o'clock, the over-under should have been set at 15. 15 and a half, we'll go with that. I mean, these are big dudes as well. Think about the offensive linemen. Orlando Brown Jr., Wearing his big coat and had a Bud Light in his hand, he probably could have drank upwards of two cases. I mean, it takes a lot for those guys to get that drunk. Now, they probably have some liquor mixed in there, but it appears like the alcohol bug got to Jalen Watson. So I'm hoping at least he got to experience the majority of the parade. I don't know when they would have wheeled him out there. There are too many guys. See, when they're not in uniform, yeah, you can't really see who everybody is. They're also in hats and ski goggles. He may have not made it to the parade. <laughs> Because I'm sure they were partying well before the parade started. Those rookies, man, they were having fun yesterday. Like Joshua Williams, I felt like we saw a whole other side of him that we hadn't seen yet. And he's a very quiet, reserved guy. See, that's the best part about the parade. I think more so than seeing the fan turnout, we saw it with the Royals in 2015. We saw it with the Chiefs in 2020. And then we saw it yesterday with a much bigger turnout in the 2020 Super Bowl. But you see these guys... Going out there and blowing off steam. It's been a long season. I mean, you go out there, practice every single day, play in 20 games at the highest level of football. The wear and tear on your body. And yesterday, they got to let loose. They could curse a little bit into the mic. They had people screaming their names. like the biggest concert you could possibly imagine. And it's all for those guys. And some of those guys had already been through it before. But I thought yesterday, the best quote did not come from a player. And I know I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit here. But the best quote did not come from Patrick Mahomes. He had a great one, but it wasn't the best one I saw. Travis Kelsey, to me, he did have a great WWE-type speech. But he was a lot more unhinged in the first Super Bowl than he was yesterday. And maybe it's because his mom was there right with him. And he didn't want to be cursing left and right. He did curse. But it wasn't what we saw the first go-around. Now, there were some funny bits and cool quotes here and there. I thought Brett Veach stole the show. As he's hoisting up the Lombardi trophy, he basically said, this is what a rebuild year looks like in Kansas City. 
And there's not a more badass quote you could have from your general manager, right? You think the players steal the show. And Patrick Mahomes said something along the lines of that. He said, I don't know what a rebuild is because a rebuild here in Kansas City is a Super Bowl championship. Dude, even Clark Hunt got in on, he's like, the national talking hit, supposedly. And and you know what's great, too, is yesterday we saw some some big wig accounts tweet out and go, oh my gosh, who doubted the Chiefs? We really really were doubting the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and there were people throwing out receipts left and right. I mean... I didn't think there was that many. I knew that Bart Scott had said the Chiefs had missed the postseason. I knew James Jones said the Chiefs were going to be the worst team in their division. There was a lot more than I thought of people just saying they don't have the best quarterback. They're going to finish fourth. And listen, I will never criticize somebody for saying, hey, they're going to take a step back this year because I think everybody, including people here in the studio, myself, Marco, I want to say you as well, we sat here in the studio and said after the Tyreek Hill trade, They're going to go through a little bit of a retooling year. They're going to take a little bit of a step back. But they had the best season in franchise history. Their quarterback had his best best season of his career. Over 5,000 yards, over 40 touchdowns, an MVP, Super Bowl MVP, and another Super Bowl championship. Nobody really could have predicted this type of season from Kansas City. 17 wins is damn hard to do. But it was the people, the folks, saying they're going to be the worst in their division. They're going to miss the playoffs. That felt too extreme because, if anything, it's just doubting the game's best quarterback right now. And you look at Tom Brady for years in New England. Like, there were probably some years somebody out there said, hey, they're not going to make the postseason. But it was a lot more than I expected because a lot of people were so high on the Denver Broncos, the Chargers, the Raiders because of who they acquired in the offseason. But the Chiefs took all of that talk and use it to fuel them for the entire season. And they let it loose yesterday. There's very few times we see Patrick Mahomes and Brett Veach, and Clark Hunt for that matter, kind of point out that bulletin board material, but they did yesterday. I'm used to Travis Kelsey pointing out bulletin board material. I'm used to Chris Jones doing that. Guys on the defense, Juju pointing that out. I'm used to seeing that because those guys like to chirp a little bit. Patrick Mahomes and Brett Veach and Clark Hunt, they really don't, which is why it was cool to see that yesterday. You won the Super Bowl. There are no restrictions, no guidelines, no limits as to what you can say. We've seen every single Super Bowl championship, the parade, they're going to be talking a little bit. Remember when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had their parade and Bruce Arians made fun of the Chiefs' run-it-back tour? No, he said, we're not going to do that bleep. We're going for two. And, of course, the Buccaneers came well short of winning their second Super Bowl, and Bruce Arians was stepping down a few years later. Instead, they took a two in their pants. Yeah, exactly, Marco. But that, to me, is what you're supposed to do. You won. You get a little bit drunk. Why not? You don't have to be humble in every single situation. So the Chiefs were letting all the national pundits know you were unbelievably wrong about this team. And there's probably no more humiliating feeling when you are put on TV like that and you miss that badly. Like, you go back to every single sport. Remember, there were a lot of people when LeBron James broke into the league said, he's not, he's going to be a bust. He's not going to be very good. And now you look back and go, man, I was one of the people that said that. That's probably a little bit of a different scenario as to just not predicting a team to win the Super Bowl. But for some people out there, like a Bart Scott, saying they're going to miss the playoffs and that team wins the Super Bowl, how can anybody take you seriously again with your predictions? And I think the Chiefs yesterday let them know that. That you are always going to be wrong about this team. And we're not naive here. 
we know it'll take one or two months for the national media to give the Chiefs their praise, and then we're going to get into about April or May, and somebody's going to have their hot take, and I would put air quotes around that, and saying the Chargers are going to win the West. The Broncos are going to be better than the Chiefs with Sean Payton. The Bengals and the Bills are going to be better. The Ravens are going to be back with Lamar Jackson. They're going to be better. Somebody's going to have that hot take because you have to have that hot take. Somebody in the media has to pick against the Chiefs. It would be boring. It'd be boring TV if every single station, every single channel said, yeah, the Chiefs are probably going to win the division, get the number one seed to win the Super Bowl because it's not a hot take. But it's fun talking points for people here in Kansas City, and it's fuel for the players, and we saw it yesterday at the parade. They respect the people that gave them their respect, but for those that not only didn't give them the the respect, they disrespected the team. They use it as fuel. And I think the good teams can really spin that into a good way. Some teams just look for it where it's not really there. That's not a bad thing either. Now, Michael Jordan, as we say time and time again on the show, he made up scenarios to fuel him. The Chiefs likely from time to time made up scenarios to fuel them. But right there in front of them, all off, all off season, all during the season, they had national media heads talking about, you know, they're not really as good as they once were without Tyreek Hill. They've got flaws here. they got a bad defense. Their special teams is bad. Patrick Mahomes is an unorthodox quarterback. He's got bad footwork. They hear all of it. And that's also a fascinating thing to note as well, that NFL players, they watch those shows. They listen at times to radio. They listen to podcasts. They hear what people are saying about them because they want to have that fuel, to ignite them into a run we saw the Chiefs have. But it's not just players either. It's guys like Brett Veach. Brett Veach, who got a lot of criticism in the offseason for trading Tyreek Hill. And when a first-round pick wasn't involved in that, oh, yeah, people were mad. People were really, really mad at Brett Veach. So he likely used that as fuel for people that doubted that trade, and it turned into a Super Bowl championship. But his quote to me was the most badass thing to come from the parade yesterday. Because we've seen teams retool, and it goes so poorly. We saw Seattle retool a little bit after the Legion of Boom and bottom out. We saw the Broncos retool without Peyton Manning. Those didn't work out. And to sit there with a ring and the Lombardi trophy for the second time in four years and to hold it up in front of millions of people and say this is what a rebuild year looks like in Kansas City, that is just a kick to the nuts to every other team that's chasing you. Because a lot of those other teams in the NFL right now have to retool. Think about the teams that are chasing the Chiefs. The Bills, the Bengals, the Chargers, the Ravens, and the AFC for that matter. They have to pay their quarterbacks. They have to give the big money to the quarterbacks, and some of those teams already have. So their windows get smaller and smaller once the cap hit comes into play. I know a lot of people say, oh, the Patrick Mahomes contract's going to derail this team. It's going to cripple this team down the road, but you can restructure money, and these other teams can as well. But there will come a time that you're going to have to trade away your number one weapon. You're going to have to let that number one weapon walk. Let that left tackle walk. Let the running back walk. Let your number one edge rusher walk. Like Buffalo has spent big money on Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Vaughn Miller. You can't keep all three forever. Cincinnati's not going to be able to pay. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Mixon, and Joe Burrow. It's not possible. And for Kansas City, 
They did it better than anybody has really ever done in the last 20, 25 years. New England was always the best at retooling because they never really gave an extension to anybody, except for Tom Brady. You know, you had those guys like a Wes Welker at the tail end of his career. You want to keep him around, but he was banged up, injury-prone, and bye-bye. Go have fun elsewhere. Danny Amendola came in to replace him. Danny Amendola's gone, then you have Hogan come in. Now, Chris Hogan, a lacrosse player in college. He replaces Danny Amendola. You just go down the list. And they always found productive guys. They made it work because they had a Hall of Fame quarterback. And Brett Veach likely knew that. I don't want to say likely knew that. Hell, he absolutely knew he had a Hall of Fame quarterback at his disposal. And he, after finding a guy like Patrick Mahomes, giving the film to Andy Reid and saying, that's our future quarterback, he takes great pride in that. And he also knows what the hell he's doing. And when you have that franchise quarterback, you're able to make those trades. And you can retool a little bit. But it doesn't always mean you take a step back. Because you lose a Hall of Fame wide receiver doesn't mean you have to bottom out and be terrible and get draft picks. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl and have double-digit draft picks in their home city in a couple of months. There's no better time to be in Kansas City. The Chiefs are Super Bowl champions, multiple picks, the drafts in Kansas City. You know how sickening that is to teams like the Broncos and the Raiders, your rivals, Buffalo, Cincinnati? I mean, what NFL franchise wouldn't want that. That likely is not going to happen for a long, long time. Hell, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I can be proven wrong here. But for a team to have their best season in franchise history, win the Super Bowl, their quarterback win an MVP, a Super Bowl MVP, they have a hell of a lot of draft picks from a trade they made last year, and the draft is in their own city where they're going to get a hell of a lot of revenue. I mean, you tell me a more perfect scenario for a team in the NFL. That is unbelievable. So, yes, everybody else in the NFL is envious of that, and the Chiefs let them know yesterday. That, to me, was the best quote by far and away from Brett Veach. This is what a rebuild year looks like in Kansas City. 17 wins and a Super Bowl championship. That is frightening to everybody else. Maybe you can mock him, but you can't deny that's a A-plus quote from a general manager. Some of them are a little bit dorky. You know, they just are more analytical guys. They're nerdy. Now, Brett Veach did play in college, so he knows the game a lot. And some general managers did play in college. They know the game of football. And they can speak in front of a crowd like that. I'm not saying Brett Veach is the second coming of Travis Kelsey in terms of grabbing the mic and sounding like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But to hear that quote from your general manager, a little bit of the chip on the shoulder, the swagger, that just resonates with everybody. And as Mark pointed out, Clark Hunt. You know, you have this confidence, a little bit of this arrogance built up because you can. When you win a lot, you win multiple Super Bowls, you can be incredibly arrogant. You don't always have to be the nice guy, the humble guy, congratulating the opponent. It was a hard-fought season. Let Andy Reid do that. Andy Reid's the nice, humble guy. He will keep everybody's head on straight. But you know what? This team is now the evil empire of the NFL. They are going to be hated. If you don't like the Chiefs being hated, I don't know what else to tell you. They are going to be the villain for the next decade plus in the NFL. Other teams' fan bases, their Sundays, 
will be dictated by how their team fares and how the Chiefs fare. Just like here in Kansas City, for 10-plus years, held 20 years, it mattered what the Chiefs did and it mattered what the Broncos did or what the New England Patriots did. Now in Kansas City, you are that team. You are the team that everybody is rooting for the downfall of. But you know what? Right now they are not falling down. They are not crumbling. They are at the peak of their window. Two Super Bowls, four years, three Super Bowl appearances in four years. And guess what? Patrick Mahomes has still yet to play a road postseason game. That is a dominance we have really never seen before in the NFL in a five-year stretch. So, yeah, go be arrogant. You are now the evil empire of the NFL. And I don't think anybody's particularly close to you because they don't have those accolades. The only team that was close to that was the New England Patriots, who no longer are anywhere close to being the evil empire. Not with Mac Jones. Now, Tom Brady now out of the league. It is Patrick Mahomes' league. Everybody else is chasing him. Everybody else is chasing the Chiefs. Let it be known that you are going to be the most hated team in the NFL for the next decade plus. You don't need to be the nice guys. You can be the ones that win and rub everybody else's face in it. I'd lean into it. Maybe I'm in the minority here, but I love it now that the Chiefs are going to be hated because for too many years, they were the lovable losers. They felt bad when Alex Smith and the Chiefs would go 10-6 and or 11-5 and and lose to effing Marcus Mariota in the divisional round or the wild card round or blew 38-10 to leads. Those days are over. Now everybody's going to be on pins and needles waiting for you to lose. Having the America, that, that map they always show on Twitter of the United States, and it will go people rooting for the Chiefs. It'll be Missouri and Kansas highlighted and the rest of the United States rooting against the Chiefs. That's the new world you're in. People didn't want to see that at the parade yesterday. They hated everything that was said about the parade. People not cheering for the Chiefs. Pretty much in the league of your own now. Now it will probably make everybody in Kansas and Missouri come closer together because the common enemy to the rest of the NFL is the Chiefs. There is no buddy-buddy team with the Chiefs. When you win a lot, you're just going to be hated. And you know what? Embrace the hate because what you have with the rest of those teams don't is multiple Super Bowl rings in the last five years. Impressive what they've done. Really cool parade. Hell, I hope the players are still partying because because that was one of the coolest turnouts we had seen in Kansas City since the Royals parade. And the better and one decade, ten years, the the Chiefs and Royals have combined to host three parades. It's like a title town now, which back in the early two thousands, nineties, eighties, nobody really could have predicted it that we'd have this stretch of success in Kansas City. We'll take our final break of the show. When we come back, some Royals news. Ned Yost inducted into the Royals Hall of Fame, and the Royals made a key acquisition yesterday, adding some more depth to their outfield. That's next on The Shift on ESPN Kansas City. Back here on The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I am your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. Well, pitchers and catchers have already reported the surprise Arizona, speaking of the Kansas City Royals. But there was some great news yesterday and today, for that matter, involving the past Royals and the current Royals. Well, Ned Yost, World Series champion manager of the Kansas City Royals, one of the main guys to turn around what was once a dormant baseball franchise 
is now going to be inducted into the Royals Hall of Fame and well-deserved, too. And you know what? Ned Yost had such a weird relationship with Kansas City, right? Going from managing a team that was losing 90-plus games to being the manager of a super young team that was underachieving, then getting them to the peak, and then even when they were at the peak, made the postseason, he's booed off the mound when making the pitching change, putting Jordano Ventura in the game for James Shields, people thinking that was going to be the move that got him fired. Then winning the American League, the next year winning the American League again, the American League Central, and a World Series championship, and then sticking around for years after that. Ned Yost will go down, I believe, as one of, if not the greatest Royals manager of all time. Now, it was a complicated relationship. He was sometimes abrasive with the media. The fans got annoyed with him at times. But what manager doesn't piss off the fan base? There's never been a perfect manager for baseball. Every single manager has had their rub with the fan base. But I think Ned Yost always handled it perfectly. He was a great fit for the Royals at the time. And I think he is more than deserving of being in the Royals Hall of Fame. You know, Dick Hauser having his number up there and on the Royals Hall of Fame. Before that, it was under the big Jumbotron, the big crown Jumbotron. You know, I think Ned Yost at one point deserves his number up there because of how he turned this organization around in an era that wasn't really easy to do so. Much harder now, and you're hoping Matt Quattraro can be the Royals' best manager of all time. But Ned Yost, I believe, has that title for now. What he was able to do, always loved Ned Yost. And very happy that he is now inducted into the Royals Hall of Fame. As for the current Royals, they made a very underrated signing yesterday. Bringing in Fran Mil Reyes, former Cleveland Guardian and former San Diego Padre, on a minor league deal with a non-roster invite to spring training. Listen, uh, this really, to me, feels like a move that was for opening day. You feel like your outfield is already set, and Fran Mil Reyes is not a good defender. He's a DH. But here's the thing. Left field, you have MJ Melendez. Center field, you have Kyle Isbell or Drew Waters. In right field, you could go with Edward Olivares. Or you could slide Waters to right field or slide MJ to right field, and you have Olivares in left. But DH is still very much open right now. And if you wanted to keep it young, have MJ at left, you have Isbell in center and Waters in right, and you want to put Edward Olivares in the lineup at DH, Framiel Reyes is eight months older than Edward Olivares. He is still very young. And no, he didn't have a great year last year, but his offensive numbers project to be damn good. And I think damn good for a DH. And he still fits into the younger group, the youth movement of the Kansas City Royals. If I had to make a prediction today, as long as he stays healthy, I think he breaks camp with the team and he would be the opening day designated hitter for the Kansas City Royals. I think there's still a lot left in take for Fran Mil Reyes, and he is a perfect fit for this team that is trying to find a resurgence with their offense. All right, before we wrap up the week, let's finish up with some Factor Fiction. Five questions, five takes, and one under five minutes. Factor Fiction, EB leaves for the Washington OC job if offered. I think fact. If he is offered, he would decide to go because he hasn't had one of those true offers yet. I think Biennemi will leave if Washington picks him over Greg Roman. Factor Fiction, Matt Nagy will be the next head coach of the Chiefs. Fiction, I think if Matt Nagy takes the OC job next year, I think he would get a job elsewhere if the Chiefs still have a top three scoring offense. He's been there before. He's taken the Bears of the postseason. I think somebody else will give him a chance. When it's all said and done, Mahomes will be more hated than Brady. Uh, Fiction, I think it was the way that Brady carried himself. A little bit arrogant. Always was getting in arguments with players or arguments with opposing players or referees. So I don't think he'll be more hated than Brady when it's all said and done. Saturday, KU wins by more than five against Baylor. It'll be really close, but I do think 
KU gets out on top. They're both teams that are really, really hot right now, but it's college game day. It's at Allen Fieldhouse. I feel like the advantage should go to the Jayhawks. And, of course, new, new Royal signee Fran, Fran Mill Reyes is on the opening day roster. Yeah, I think fact. I think he will beat Edward Olivares out for that DH spot, assuming he stays healthy and he could hopefully have a bounce-back year for the Royals. We will not be on the air tomorrow. I'll be out of town, so we will see you after the weekend and on Monday at 10 a.m. You take it easy, Kansas City. And don't you come back.